Hey there. Ever feel like you just need a break from the day-to-day of work, put on that out of office and be alongside peers learning from fellow nonprofits and industry experts on what they see working when it comes to fundraising, marketing, growing a monthly giving program, retention, everything that encompasses what you do? Well, if so, I have two events for you to mark down. June 4th and 5th is Donor Perfect's Community Conference Spark. It is for any fundraiser wanting to excel in donor management, program innovation, community engagement, and organizational growth, and it is free. So click the link in the show notes to register. And then an event that I have attended three years in a row is the NEO Summit, combining practical, actionable, and very data-informed content with also this really electric and immersive atmosphere. The NEO Summit is more than just a conference. It is a really fun and great place to get away from your desk and innovate your fundraising and accelerate your impact. So you can join hundreds of your fellow nonprofit professionals in Indianapolis in September on the 18th and 19th. And you can save $600 on your ticket right here. It is the lowest price available anywhere. So click the link in the show notes for both of these events. They are incredible. They put on an incredible speaker presentation, all tons of great resources for you. Invest in yourself and the growth of your organization by attending these two phenomenal events. When we look at the trajectory, the share of donation wallet every year, since the beginning, the largest organizations have gotten the largest share of the donations. That's been true and is consistently true and is not surprising they get the largest share of donations all year round. Everybody's been growing, all categories growing on Giving Tuesday, but the large organizations aren't the ones that are really growing. It's the mid-sized organizations that have been growing their share of the donations. Hey there, you're listening to the Missions to Movements podcast, and I'm your host, Dana Snyder, digital strategist for nonprofits and founder and CEO of Positive Equation. This show highlights the digital strategies of organizations making a positive impact in the world. Ready to learn the latest trends, actionable tips, and the real stories from behind the feed? Let's transform your mission into a movement. Whether you're a participant in giving through Facebook fundraisers or a recipient of funds on Giving Tuesday, it's a day that's exciting to be a part of with generosity beaming across the globe. And hey, this isn't just my personal opinion. It's backed by data. Woodrow Rosenbaum is the Chief Data Officer for Giving Tuesday. And in this episode, we discuss why it's so important for orgs to play an active role in the day, the need for more diverse donors, and the potential for what 2022 could hold. Welcome to the show, Woodrow. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Missions to Movements podcast. This conversation could not be more timely as I am sitting across a screen with Woodrow Rosenbaum, and we are here to talk about all things Giving Tuesday. Hey, Woodrow, how's it going? Hi, Dana. I'm well, thanks. How are you doing? (laughs) Good. Good to see you again after our meeting at the Classy Collaborative. I think it's always great when I can hear from somebody, meet them, and then be like, oh, yeah, that's a good person to head back on the podcast for like a longer conversation. So I'm excited you're here. Thanks for having me. Of course. 
For those of us that don't know too much about your background, you are now the chief data officer for Giving Tuesday. But really, what kind of led you in your career to that role that you're at right now? Well, nothing in my career led me to, <laughs> to this role, to be honest. It's a perfect answer. Yeah. This was not where I expected to be. I come from a commercial marketing background, so I wasn't working in the social sector, really. It was really largely by accident. I was helping a foundation in Canada consulting. That foundation, the Give3 Foundation, has a mission to encourage Canadians to be more philanthropic. And so I was doing that, and, and this was prior to Giving Tuesday ever existing, and we saw what was happening in 2012 with Giving Tuesday and thought, this is the kind of intervention we'd like to experiment with. And we were taking really a kind of commercial consumer marketing approach to messaging to get people to change their behavior. And so I got involved with Giving Tuesday because I helped this organization in Canada be the first market outside the U.S. to do a Giving Tuesday campaign, the second year of Giving Tuesday. Oh, wow. Okay. Amazing. And then one thing led to another. And because Giving Tuesday as a decentralized movement with no real rules about who can get involved and how was growing really fast, but there weren't really good measures of exactly what was happening. And so the team in the U.S. was looking for some kind of benchmark to base this on, to have a sense of what's going on on the day. Mm-hmm. And so the idea was, well, if we can at least get some measure of online donations in that 24-hour period, we'll have some kind of metric to see what this looks like. Partly it was just like we had to ask companies for their proprietary data to get some idea of this. And folks that I'd met through that relationship thought, well, Woodrow Speaks Corporate, we'll get him to ask. <laughs> and that's how the whole thing started. And there was no real ambition for it to be as huge as it ended up being. That's amazing. Well, things like that that are kind of just like serendipitous as we need this to happen. Here's a person that can make that happen. And let's just figure it out together is often the best way for things to come together. And for those listeners that are not aware, Giving Tuesday is the Tuesday that follows all of the big holidays that we know of in the fall from Black Friday to Small Business Saturday to Cyber Monday. And you just mentioned kind of year two is when you got more involved. When did Giving Tuesday, it started in, was it 2012? 2012 was the first Giving Tuesday, yeah. Okay. Did they have, going way back then, was there an original goal or like thought that it would get this big as it is today? No one had any idea what was going to happen. And, you know, my experience of Giving Tuesday and the, and this part that I have been managing is very much the way Giving Tuesday rolls out and has it, and the experience of Giving Tuesday from the beginning and in every aspect. It ends up just being much more than anybody ever really anticipated. So I think at the beginning, that first year, it was just kind of like there was a question. What if we had a day for giving? And I don't think anybody, I know nobody had any idea (laughs) that the answer to that question was going to be quite so profound. Yeah. And now today, so Giving Tuesday Data Commons, which is now kind of the official, would you call it a secondary like organization under the umbrella of Giving Tuesday? How would you... I mean, certainly it's a program, an initiative of Giving Tuesday, the organization. When Giving Tuesday launched, it wasn't even an organization. It was a program in the 92nd Street Y, the community center on the Upper East Side of New York City. Yeah, it was a thought. 
Exactly. And so it came out of the Belfer Center for Innovation. It was a, an experiment, one of a number of programs. And the data commons wasn't a thing either. It was just we were doing some measurement. But then as we got more and more data assets that had never been collected before, and we built tools for unlocking insight from those data, it started to take on a life of its own. And so it's part of the Giving Tuesday movement mission. Giving Tuesday is now a lot more than just the day. It's global. It's about capacity building and supporting the sector and the nonprofit sector, but also just the social sector and civil society generally all over the world every day of the year. And the data commons supports that. And at the same time has its own mission to understand the full spectrum of generosity. What are these behaviors? How do they intersect and and relate to each other? How do we motivate more of them? And what is their impact? How are people leveraging their generosity to make better communities? I want to get into the report where you break down some of that from 2021 in a second. I am curious, though. So when you're talking about pulling those data points, I mean, I'm sure that has the process has changed over the years. What is the process of trying to gather all that data so quickly? Because I know the media announcements come up pretty fast. And I will say to your point about amplifying even awareness of the sector, that is such a huge holiday that generates so much media buzz and press for the sector that probably didn't receive that before, other than it being towards end of the year. But yeah, I'm really curious, like how do those figures come together so quickly? It's quite a scramble. We have uh, about 45 partners, 45 or 50 partners who every year, the day after Giving Tuesday, they share some results with us. They upload files that show their transaction volume and some other details that we can use to, to drive that number. It's a challenge. It's a big scramble so far. We've managed to get the data we need to get that number the day after every year. And this year, we hope to be able to do the same. It has ended up being a quite an independent project. In fact, from all the other data collection we do, our other work is based on separate data collection that we do on an ongoing basis with a number of partners. And with them, every year, we still do that scramble where we're asking all of these companies to share their results with us. It's, it's challenging. We're grateful for what they do to help yes. us keep that benchmark. Yes, that's incredible. So let's just talk about the numbers for a quick second. So in 2021, 35, roughly, 35 million adults participated in Giving Tuesday in the U.S. alone, I will note. That was a 6% increase from 2020, raising $2.7 billion just in the U.S. Did I butcher any of that? (laughs) No, that's reasonably correct. There was a 6% increase in donors. Most people are doing more than one thing on Giving Tuesday. And in fact, we saw a somewhat of an uptick in that last year in 2021. So every year we've measured, we see that the most common behavior in the U.S. is donating money, but the least common behavior is only donating money. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And so most people are taking more than one action. This is a really important thing to understand, actually. And this goes way beyond just Giving Tuesday. That is actually how people prefer to engage. They want multiple ways to give back. And when given the opportunity, that's how they'll behave. And so if you're thinking about how you want to engage people in your organization, having those different forms of of activation, different ways that people could show their support 
is going to meet them where they are. It also helps them to feel like they're part of your mission as opposed to just your ATM. And that's not just the Giving Tuesday finding. And speaking of the report that we released recently, you were mentioning, most people just in their annual giving, most people are are doing more than just giving money. It's very rare that somebody only does one thing for one kind of organization. Because then you get deeper and deeper into the mission of what the organization is. And then that is also, I think there's multiple reasons for giving, right? But I think one of them is my identity, right? Who do I identify as? And what is my personal experience in my life relevant to? I bring up the example, I brought it up before about Movember. So Movember, for those who don't know, is the men's health charity. If you've ever seen guys growing mustaches around the month of November, it's hopefully most of the time for Movember. And they have three different cause areas, I believe still, prostate cancer, testicular cancer, mental health awareness, and suicide prevention. So I guess four. And I was working with them as a consultant. And then my dad got diagnosed with prostate cancer. And my level of involvement in the organization went to a different place, right? And so then you want to volunteer, then you want to sign up to do their move event, then you want to give, then I want to do a peer-to-peer fundraiser, right? Then there's, like you're saying, multiple outlets, but only if you have them available as an organization to participate in. So that's super powerful. Do you think it's worth on Giving Tuesday or around it offering more than just the opportunity to give? Yeah, 100%. I think you think about having multiple touch points and multiple entry points into your organization and your cause is really important. That is important on Giving Tuesday. Giving Tuesday the day, right, is this really important moment to leverage. We see how much giving moments drive participation. Giving Tuesday's the biggest driver of donor acquisition all year long. Wow, that's incredible. This is not just a Giving Tuesday special thought, right? You really need to think about providing those multiple entry points to your organization all the time. But yeah, of course, on Giving Tuesday, start talking about it early and think about all the ways that people might choose to get involved. Let's say I'm on the flip side, and I know this because I've heard of it from organizations before where they say Giving Tuesday is so big, there's so much noise around it, how am I possibly going to stand out? From your point of view and being involved in the organization for so long, if someone's on the fence from a nonprofit perspective, what would your advice to them be? First of all, people are highly motivated to give on Giving Tuesday. Your supporters are going to be out giving on Giving Tuesday. You don't want to miss that. You need to be present. Secondly, we actually see that Giving Tuesday actually levels the playing field a bit. So when we look Mm. at the trajectory, the share of donation wallet every year, Since the beginning, the largest organizations have gotten the largest share of the donations. That's been true, and it's consistently true, and it's not surprising they get the largest share of donations all year round. What's been interesting is that the growth has been disproportionately coming from the mid-sized organizations. Everybody's been growing. All categories growing on Giving Tuesday, but the large organizations aren't the ones that are really growing. It's the mid-sized organizations that have been growing their share of the donations. Even more interesting, I think, is that although the smallest organizations get the smallest share, they do more than twice as well on Giving Tuesday than they do on an annualized basis. So they're punching way above their weight on Giving Tuesday, which I think is a really strong indicator of just 
what it means to have this sort of generosity in the zeitgeist and this sort of great combination of people looking for some way to give in their community, but also to feel like they're part of something a lot bigger. And small organizations are actually capitalizing on that much better than others. So there's the opportunity, right, is to get involved, be present when people are primed to give and do better than you would otherwise. Yeah, I love that. It's almost not to compare it to, but the Ukraine crisis. I think everyone felt mobilized to give with something that felt like touched every single person, even though we might not know somebody across the world. Giving Tuesday globally is you want to be involved in this globalized effort of doing good and creating impact. So to your point, don't not give your constituents, your supporters, the opportunity to feel that, right? And to be participating in the day. I really love that framing. I think generally speaking, we really should be thinking more and more about our role as providing people with that opportunity. Romanian leaders said to me when we were there in 2019, giving is a fundamental human need. Mm -hmm. And so if you see your role as a fundraiser, as fulfilling that need, you're going to come at that engagement in a much different perspective with a much different message than if you consider yourself a kind of unwelcome intrusion. Absolutely. I mean, there's I'm not a psychology major or have a degree or anything like that, <laughs> but I do know after I make a donation or I receive an email, that's my like monthly giving email. There's a little bit of the same thing when you get a push notification on your phone. It's like, ding, right? You get a little bit of, oh, like, what happened? Like, what did I help do? What's being changed? Or on the other half, when I get an email where there's a need and how can I help fill that need? There's an emotion transfer there, no doubt. For sure. There's lots of, lots of research to show that giving provides this positive emotional feedback to the giver. Yeah. And we should be recognizing that that's a value that we're bringing to people. Absolutely. You've heard me talk about the power of social proof and UGC, user-generated content before, but it's often hard to figure out how to gather it and really use it in a meaningful way. Memory Fox makes it easy to collect community-generated content through a secure, guided, and custom-branded platform. You'll be able to share authentic and relatable content, reach more people, and grow your impact. So head over to memoryfox.io backslash Dana for 10% off and learn more about how organizations and foundations like United Way, the Disabled American Veterans, and the Arthritis Foundation are using Memory Fox to collect impactful stories from their communities. Set up a demo with one of their storytelling experts at memoryfox.io backslash Dana. So I want to dive into the data because that is your expertise and I geek out on it so much. Your team released a report from scarcity to abundance mapping the giving ecosystem. And this is looking back at generosity in 2021 specifically. And there's so much great information. I could have written like 20 questions just from that report. But one of the biggest takeaways for me anyways that I was reading was about having a diverse set of donors and specifically not neglecting the small recurring donors. Can you speak to what your findings were there? Yeah, so first of all, I mean, we've seen throughout economic downturns that organizations that have a broad base of support that include small givers are more resilient to those economic shocks. Really important right now to be thinking about this. 
we actually have a quite a challenging situation in the nonprofit sector where the both the sort of practice and incentives of the craft are not aligned with welcoming a lot of donors in. And that's coupled with substantial, really unprecedented need for the services of these organizations that's putting on the pressure to deliver dollars today. All of this is sort of creating a perfect storm that means we have less participation in donating to nonprofits. And at the same time, people are highly generous in many, many ways. But as long as our practice is focused on large donor stewardship at the expense of broad engagement, that's the result we're going to get. And so this system is optimized for more dollars from fewer people. And that's the result we're getting. Everybody's worried about it. It's in our control to fix it. That resilience is key. It really means that that broad base of support is what's going to see us through. And we need to start understanding that it's up to us to adjust how we're approaching this marketplace if we're going to weather coming economic storms. And it's the support. And I think also a big point that I took from this from the communication side and the marketing side is the consistent communication with those donors, right? I think it's oftentimes, right? Like you're saying the the multi-thousand dollar gift might receive an email, they might receive a text message. Maybe they're going to get a phone call. They're going to get an invite to the gala. If I'm your $25 recurring donor, that over time that is going to equate into thousands because Recurring giving has a 90%, I think, rate rate of attaining, but I'm just getting maybe a monthly email or maybe it's just a monthly tax receipt, which is oftentimes more than what I've been seeing lately. Yeah, I think tactically, you know, your approach needs to be a little bit different when you're talking about the smaller donors because you have to ensure what you're doing scales. Correct. And that's where good tech platforms come into play that can help automate some of that. Exactly right. And so... If we think about all these components, right, people want multiple ways to engage, that gives you multiple things to talk about. It doesn't all have to be solicitation, but getting away from this really transactional Mm -hmm. relationship is really key. So finding those things that you can talk about your supporters about over the course of the year, I mean, more than just sending the receipt every month. And worse, you know, I hear from our our platform partners about their clients saying things like, well, we don't message our monthly donors because we don't want to remind them to turn off their donation. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) No. There's a reason why you signed up in the first place. Exactly. These are people who have signed up for a subscription to doing good and feeling good about it. And so our job is to fulfill that, right? And to over-deliver on the experience that they've subscribed to. Well, man, doesn't that speak directly to the name of your study, Scarcity to Abundance? Well, I think there is a real scarcity mindset and a kind of zero-sum expectation in, in the nonprofit sector. And the data just do not support those assumptions. Point blank. Mic drop. End of story. (laughs) Your job here is done. (laughs) (laughs) So also there was an interesting chart speaking to retention. There's a graph that illustrates a surge of donors, which makes sense in 2020, right? Because of what was happening within the world. And then there was a really big drop off kind of after Q1 and Q2 in 2021. What was happening there when it comes to retention? Was that part of the lack of communication efforts to keep those donors? I can tell you what it's not. 
Yeah. It's not what a lot of people expected it to be, which was we had crisis giving and then those givers waned because they were moving on to other things. I was surprised to see that we had this big influx of donors in 2020. I was surprised to see that those donors who were acquired in that year were actually stickier the following mm. year than we'd ever seen before. Oh, okay. So it's not just the simple story of, you know, donors came in for a moment and then were gone. We saw a lot of shift. But 2020 is really an important year to look at because it reversed the multi-year trend of fewer donors in the system, mm. a trend that sadly has returned. We saw 2021 that, that we're back to fewer donors in, in the ecosystem. Where we really lost ground was keeping up with acquisition. And so we still have a, a fairly volatile marketplace and the ways that it's normalizing are not always the healthiest for the sector. But again, I see that organizations were under a lot of pressure to deliver on the large donors. And that's essentially the effect that we saw out of 2021 was that focus on large donor stewardship worked. Yeah. Is there a change happening within the data of the age ranges of giving? So as us millennials, right, are getting older, Gen Z is in a place where they're starting to be working. Are you seeing an influx of younger donors right now? What we see is that younger donors are less predictable in their giving than older donors, but a lot of it just comes down to economics certainty. So mm -hmm. we see a combination of the younger you are, less money you have, but also the less financially secure you feel. So we see that younger adult donors, even with the same level of income are less likely to say they feel financially secure. And that suppresses giving. What's interesting is that those younger donors are highly charitably inclined and they tend to be trusting of nonprofits and they tend to say it's important to give back. At the same time, they see less difference between giving to, say, political causes or unregistered organizations or groups. They see less difference between that and charitable giving. That's led a lot of folks in the sector to think that these are cannibalistic giving behaviors. That is not the case. What we have seen pretty clearly is that generosity is generative. So the best indicator that somebody's going to give is that they give in some way. And the people who give to their friend's cancer treatment on GoFundMe or help somebody's cat get surgery or a mutual aid network or political giving, those people are more likely than their peers to give in other ways like charitable giving. We also know, though, that a lot of these folks are not getting asked, that the asking is highly focused on where the money is, and that tends to be older white dudes. You know what that is crazy about that statement, right? We both work in such, I don't know how often maybe you get asked, but I am speaking at so many events. I post about nonprofit stuff all the time. I think, and it's because I signed up for an email list, but I don't really have a lot of organizations. Like I'd love to be on boards, but never really asked by anybody to give, which blows my mind, especially when I speak out maybe about even specific issues. I have friends referring organizations to me about causes or areas that I might be interested in, but that's such a great point. And obviously, I do a lot of work in social advertising. So anytime that I do see a nonprofit ad come by, I'm very intrigued. And most of the time, that's a retargeting from visiting their website that I'm getting retargeted to donate. I do want to ask you something that I'm also very passionate about, 
as a recurring donor is recurring giving. Does Giving Tuesday have any data around how many orgs either are pushing or launching recurring donor campaigns on Giving Tuesday? So I don't know how many orgs are doing it. What I can tell you is that Giving Tuesday does skew more toward recurring than typical other times of the year. My guess is it's because organizations are are thinking, well, what am I going to do with this day? Well, here's something I can do. I can try some recurring ask or I can convert some one-time donors to recurring. Now, the other thing is that we see recurring does skew into younger adult, and so does Giving Tuesday. So it may just be a product market fit. I think part of what is happening there is you've got this younger adult, I mean, under 40, that's younger in my books. <laughs> I still qualify as younger, thanks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You millennial. So that giver is highly motivated to give, feels like they're under financial stress, might feel like, well, I can't give 500 bucks, but I could give 25 bucks a month, right? And they're yeah. accustomed to subscription models. So I think that all of that tends to drive more of the Giving Tuesday experience toward recurring than typical or than in, in the aggregate. So it's certainly an opportunity for that. Although I think that generally speaking, recurring is an underused opportunity. I think it's still a lot of organizations thinking about it as only a secondary ask when for most organizations, there's a big return on investment in going recurring first, right? Your conversion rates are going to be lower. And so it depends on what your circumstances are and whether you're trying to build donor base or what, you know, what, is needed now and what your longer term strategies are. But just in terms of the value, you get a big return on investment that tends to outweigh the lower conversion rate by going recurring first. Yeah, the sustainability is incredible. If you can have a nugget of, I don't know, I'm making it up. If you have 10 grand in recurring donors every month, then you know that you have that maybe wiggles a little bit. But if you have 90% retention, it's a really good base to carry you for the year and can grow exponentially from there. So I want to ask you a little bit about predictions. (laughs) (laughs) Knowing the data that you have, any predictions for what this year could look like? You know, I always avoid giving predictions in general, but especially now things are quite volatile. What I will say is what has been really clear from this work over the last five years or so is that the generosity of the American public is a lot more elastic than anyone's ever credited it with. Mm -hmm. And what we achieve this year overall and on Giving Tuesday is going to be exactly what we get out there and inspire. So where is it going to go? I hope we see a lot more participation driving more sustainable dollars for the sector. And participation right now is really key. It's how we're going to be resilient moving forward. It's how we're going to be more equitable. It's how we're going to give agency to more givers. And so I hope that what this is, is a a call to action for the nonprofit sector. I get that it's tough. (laughs) It's been tough. Not easy on anybody. Yeah. I really hope that people use this giving season and giving Tuesday to really re-energize themselves and their organizations, because that's actually what's going to make the difference. Whether we're up or down is in our hands. Yes. And I think 
look, as much as noise that we say might be on the day, 34 million, that we still have a lot more millions to go in the American people alone, not just globally. So there is still a ton of room for you to make an impact and raise a hell of your own noise to the conversation. So I'm excited for something that I would love for you to share that you are working on that just got released recently in the data world. What are you currently working on? So I think I know what you're talking about. So we just <laughs> we launched a capital campaign to support yes. the Giving Tuesday Data Commons. We recognized the end of last year that what we were building here was was not a project. This is fundamental infrastructure. Every other sector of the economy has mechanisms for accessing data and insights about their environment. I mean, the tire manufacturers have it. The galvanized steel fencing manufacturers have it, right? Never mind retail and, and insurance and banking. Awesome. And so we're really trying to bridge that gap for the social sector. The data and insights necessary to really be agile, to understand what's happening in our marketplace and be able to respond to that, like my commercial clients had. So that's what we're building. We have a $26 million goal as of this recording. We were at 40% of our targets. We're feeling very, very positive about this. Thank you. Snap, snap, snaps. And so, yeah, the, the idea here is that we will be able to really firm up and scale all of that infrastructure. It's open data and learning for the entire social sector around the world. Amazing. It's desperately needed. So thank you for cheerleading that initiative that is so important to the sector. Woodrow, how can people get in touch with you regarding the capital campaign, regarding the work that you're doing for Giving Tuesday to reach out to you in general? So you can hit the website is one way to learn about the data commons. So givingtuesday.org slash data. Lots of projects that folks can get involved in. Data you can access and learning. The Giving Lab on givingtuesday.org is one place where we publish a lot of what we and our partners are learning about. And of course, get involved in Giving Tuesday this year and help build it into the biggest one ever. Awesome. I will link to everything that you just mentioned down below in the show notes. Any platform that you hang out the most that if people want to say hi to you? I guess probably LinkedIn. That's where I'm most, I'm a little bit of Twitter. I don't have a TikTok if that's what you're asking. <laughs> I'm just tinkering with TikTok, but LinkedIn it is. Awesome. Woodrow, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to see everything that happens this year around Giving Tuesday. Thanks for having me. Can you tell I love talking all things digital? To make this show better, I'd be so grateful for your feedback. Leave a review, take a screenshot of this episode, share it on Instagram stories, and tag Positive Equation with one E so I can reshare and connect with you. <laughs>